You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. This is where I speak to Wayne McCurry, who is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. And I was looking at the market, the equity market, particularly in South Africa over the last uh, nearly three days now, Wayne. And it must be a, sort of a Goldilocks situation for you. The market goes up. Um, it goes up 0.5, 0.6, and at the moment, something like 0.9%. And I'm referring to the all-share index of the JSE. There's no standout news that's going to propel it up 3%, yeah. and there's no bad news that's going to make it fall 25 3%. So it, it, it's a nice time to be a, a fund manager, if not a bit um, tedious. Well, look, you know, I, I always get worried when interest rates are rising, and interest rates are rising, yeah, they're going up quite sharply. Yes. And more particularly, they're rising in America, and they're going up, going to go up quite sharply there. And normally, that's a time to be cautious on shares. Now, I'm not worried about our share market. I'm worried about the effect that they may possibly have on the U.S. share market. And you also saw very vividly what happens when a company disappoints when you look at Facebook or Mega, Meta, whatever it's called now. <laughs> I mean, that thing's been clobbered. Eh? Yeah, it has for various reasons, possibly yeah. unjustifiably. Reason, but anyway, yeah, go Yes, on. but the main reason why it's clobbered is the rating. Hmm. So when you look at all of these tech shares, the ratings are incredibly high. And any little bit of bad news, you can see, I mean, that must be, a I don't know, the third biggest company in the world or was the third biggest or certainly in the top five biggest companies in the world to get clobbered by 20, 25% in a day mm. is astonishing. Yes. You know, this ain't a medium cap or small cap. Eh? It's astonishing. So now I'm just scared that the higher interest rates may have an effect, not to that extent, never like that in one day, on the overall market. So I'm a little bit cautious, but only about the U.S. market. Our market's not badly valued. It's only, you know, slightly expensive. And the shares doing the running now, specifically today, is NASPAS and Process, you know, which have been also been, been, been clobbered off their highs quite significantly, and I think represent actually very good value at these lower lower levels. Yes, you said that earlier on in the year, and if you did, mm. hopefully you did follow your advice, the advice that you imparted on this podcast a while ago, I would think you, you would have done very well. I noticed the Hang Sang this morning up 550 points, and it was all to do with shares like um, uh, the Process and Naspers yes. or their associates. So yes, I was speaking to a chap yesterday, and I mentioned this to a commentator yesterday, and he was talking about the future of interest rates and uh, bond yields and the, the lot of the fixed income investor, the bond investor. And he said, this is something that is going to be with us for years, not months. In other words, bond, On the yields, bond, market, bond, yes. bond yields rising. Yes. And it wasn't to do with what you think, and that's inflation going up or down, because you think it's going to come back to its sort of mean of 2 to 3%. He, yeah. ju- he didn't mention <laughs> inflation. He just said bond yields will be with higher yields will be with us for years. Do you agree with that? I think so as well. Yes, I, I do. But then, it's, of course, it's a definition of how high. Like, I don't think the long bond should go much above 3 3.5%. I'm talking the 10-year bond. Yeah. You know, it's currently, what, 1.92%. So, I mean, that's still a big capital loss on a 10-year instrument. Eh? So, certainly, U.S. bonds, developed market bonds, we d- we hardly own any, if if any at, at all, in fact, mm. for this very reason, because I agree with that. The cost of capital, which has given us the 
which is one of the reasons why we've had a fantastic equity market, is that the cost of capital was so low for so long. I mean, in Germany, it went negative. In the U.S., it's got as low as 0.7. You know, now it's 1.9 odds last time I looked. And that is of concern for a, for a, for a bondholder. And ultimately, you know, forget the equity market for the moment. The equity market goes up and down, but there's true fundamental underpins for equity over long time periods. So even if the market falls 20% tomorrow or 40% as it has in the past, you know, a couple of years later, you've made your money back. I mean, the, the worst equity market in the U.S. we've ever had was between 2002 off the dot-com bust. I mean, it took 10 years to get back to its previous high, but that was highly unusual. Yes. But the bond market, the bond market could be in a structural bear market for a sustained time period, the same as it's been in a structural bull market since 1982. You know, at 82, it was 15-odd percent, you know, now it's two. So it's been in a structural bull market for decades. We could be in a, a bit of a structural bear market for a while. And just to come back to my original point there, because I, 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 I got sidetracked a little bit there, <laughs> the ultimate danger is not the equity market falling, because as I said, it does recover because there's a fundamental underpin, which is earnings for equity. But the true bubble out there is government debt. Yes. Now, it takes a long time for government to refinance their debt. You know, their debt extends over maybe not quite a decade, but, you know, a, a, in sustainable time period. But if you continue running these deficits, number one and number two, you got you currently have got, take Japan, for example, I mean, the debt to GDP, you know, ours in South Africa, we worry when it gets to 80. I think the debt to GDP in, in Japan's 200, 300%. And the U.S. is certainly also above 100. You know, it's easy to finance that at 1%. It's not so easy to finance that at 3 or 4% because ultimately all your debt rolls over. And I think that could be the true long-term danger in government finances and in the long bond market. What is the relationship historically between the performance of the bond market and the performance of the equity market? We've seen them all going up. It's and when I say that, it means, it means yields coming down means that the actual bond equity market goes, goes up. up. Um, the, the, it, it, that, that relationship with a few modifications yes. is essentially all I know about investments. Go on. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is... The equity market's only driven by two things, underlying earnings, which, uh, which goes through cycles, but over time, it's actually quite predictable, you know, over long-term periods. Yes. And then the discount rate, you know, what, what, what discount rate do you apply to those earnings? And the biggest single driver, which over time is probably 90% of the determination of that discount rate is the long bond market. Okay. So, so, so the long bonds going up or down is probably between probably influences or not even influences probably directly dictates 60% of what the equity market does. And that's why we've been in a structural bull market in equity with a, with a good couple of hiccups along the way in a structural bull market since 1982, because the bond market's been in a structural bull market as well. In other words, yields coming so down I, I and bonds going up because there's an inverse relationship so I, so between think, the two. Yeah. I mean, I won't be alive when we, come to the end of this time period, but I would think the next 30 years equity returns 
well, probably only average about maybe 25 or 30 percent of the last 30 years' equity returns. In fact, the last 40 years' equity returns. I think you will be alive, Wayne, and you'll give yourself more of a chance. If you, not, if you... not, in, not, in, not, not in 40 years' time. Shapiro might be because he never ages. Yeah, we... you know, I actually thought about that. I thought about that the other day. Yes. Shapiro looks the same as when I met him. 35 odd however many years ago 40 years ago yes but you he see you've got it same. you've got it the wrong way around he was born like he is today yes he's yeah, like he was so well, words, like that film benjamin looked, button you know he was born looking yeah. looking a, 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 looked, a mature man he looked <laughs> yeah he looked old when he was young but now that he's old he looks young here we go again obsessing over him but i, I think if you cut back your smoking a bit wayne you might have a chance of living another 40 years oh we've got to we, we've, we've all got to have some vices there eh? Very true. We've all and, and, and we're all going to die at some stage. <laughs> yeah. And so far, I'm doing all right. No, you're doing fine. You're doing absolutely fine. And the great thing about you is that you, not only do you, do you have a, a job which you're good at and is fulfilling, but, um, you know, spiritually and monetarily, but also you've got a hobby, which is, you know, mucking about with cars all day. And, and going out and eating food and having a cigarette afterwards. I mean, this is good. It keeps you it keeps you busy. Talking about the markets, though, which is what we're supposed to do, but we often get it's sidetracked. Especially talk about, yeah. Okay. Sappy. Tell me about Sappy. It's probably the most volatile share on the JSE. It has, it has quarterly yes. results rather than half-yearly and yearly. It has those as well. But it, it reports quarterly. I'm looking at this thing up about 14% today. How do you yeah. approach a share like that? Well, look, Sappy is a very interesting case. So just to go back into history... I won't mention names now, Why? but SEPI went crazy in the 1990s. They thought paper was the future. As, as the computer started taking over, they thought paper is the future, and they went and bought paper mills in virtually every continent. They bought in the USA, they bought in the UK, they bought in Europe, they might have even bought South America, in Asia. Yeah, somewhere. They, bought, they, bought, they were going to corner the paper market. Mm-hmm. Then they all of a sudden found out, hey, hang on a second. People aren't using paper anymore, especially glossies. I mean, look at look at look at what's happened to the magazine industry. Yes. And advertising and everything. So and they almost went bankrupt. Literally almost went bankrupt. They had to do these rights issues at massive discounts to force you in as a shareholder. And then they changed, they changed management and then they changed their business model and they said, we're essentially going to use the capacity we got to make pulp, wood pulp, which is used everywhere. And especially in packaging, because one thing, packaging has gone up hugely as people order online. You use significantly more packaging to order online than what you do just putting the stuff on the supermarket shelf and people going to the supermarket and buying it off the shelf. So they have transformed the business quite dramatically. But the SAPI results are volatile because they've got these, uh, uh, what the biological assets at the, the, the forest, which the values change enormously. But yes, it, it is a very volatile share. It's not in the industry I particularly like, although full credit to, uh, to, to, the, to the management in actually saving the company. Because literally SAPI, and Sassel are the two really large companies that virtually came to a grinding halt that I know of. I mean, the, other than commodity companies. 
which come to a grinding halt every now and again as well. Now, talking about the packaging story, uh, it, it, I don't know when the last time you ordered something online and got it delivered and you have a look at this package and you try and open it. I tried to open one the other day. I get maybe one a month that I order. I, get, I, 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 I see something and I want it immediately, so I press a couple of buttons and I order the blasted thing. I got one the other day. had four different layers to it. It had come yes, from the United no, States. Outside, there was there was plastic, there was cardboard, there was paper, there was stickers all over the over the thing, and everything. So it's just, it's just, whoever makes this stuff, and also the people that deliver it, are making an absolute fortune. I would have thought. Yes, and that's and that's why the industrial property market's doing so well because everyone needs a, a warehouse and a distribution center now mm. to handle this, and that's one of the reasons why I still maintain. Uh, Nasbass Process and many, many other players are going heavily into this food delivery story. Not because it's food delivery, but because it's so super efficient and it only works, you know, three hours a day at peak, at peak periods, you know, in the evening when people order takeaways and then maybe at lunchtime. You know, the rest of the time, that whole distribution network sits idle and that thing is geared to get it to you while it's hot. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why they're going for, for food deliveries, if they're going to piggyback all of these online orders back on the onto the food delivery system. So in other words, the food delivery system will actually uh, evolve into logistics and maybe even crowd out their DHLs and the big logistic players we've got now. So you're saying that somebody on a bike, uh, whether it be a motorbike or, or just a normal pedal bike, is going to yeah. become not just someone who brings you your pizza or your Chinese uh, Chinese food, but also uh, someone else or something General else delivery, delivering yeah. something from a, a but shop. The only, the only way that you're the only way that works is you have got to have many, many, many distribution centres because the place that sources the the, the 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 producers of the food, the restaurants and the takeaways are within a relatively short, you know, maybe maybe at maximum 8, 10 kilometers from your house so right. they can get it to you. So in other words, they've, you've got to have these small distribution centers all over the place so that the person making that new electric kettle can get it to these small distribution systems and get it into the food delivery systems and out to you very, very quickly. And hence, the big demand for industrial space all over. You know, the storage, you look at, you look at that company called Storage yeah. because people now or hiring little storage units, and there's storage units in the center of Santa. And you hire your storage unit, and, and you put in a bit of a control system there. And so that's why I think they're going into the food delivery. It's not actually food delivery. And it's Weinberg as well. You're talking about the center of Santa, but it's yes. in Weinberg, isn't it? I, I know where you mean. No, and but also... there's, some, there's, some, there's some right on Ravonia Road, there's, there's storage units. Mm, that's interesting. I've just given up my storage unit at Cape Town International Airport, and in fact, my my cube, as they call it, is on the sea at the moment in a ship called the Santa Cruz on its way to Rotterdam uh, for delivery. I'm looking forward to seeing stuff I haven't seen for but that's, five years. But it's, that's unusual, that because normally people put it in storage, and then their their descendants have got to deal with it when they die. Because normally, you put something in storage, you're not even you're not even vaguely interested in seeing it again. No, no. Well, my stuff is, is a, a few interesting items there. But there's that uh, program on television as well. You've lived, without them, you've lived without them for five years. Yeah, right? I know. So you've managed to survive. It. No, no, it's, it's, it's a, there's a few nice things there, trust me. I mean, I, I don't need them. Okay. It's not as if my life has been any less enjoyable because I haven't got what's in my got in my queue. But on the other hand, yeah. it will be enhanced once I open it. I'm really looking forward to opening it up. It's going to be very exciting. Um, talking about food delivery, like Wayne. a bit of a time capsule. Yeah, yeah exactly.
Will, will, will the clothes still fit you? Not a chance, Wayne. And don't be uh, okay, okay. And, and don't be nasty. Um, yeah, we'll look beyond. <laughs> Wayne, uh, talking about food delivery, when was the last time you ordered food, whether it be from a, a basket of groceries from uh, Checkers or uh, a takeaway from your oh, that, favorite we, we, shop? We, we, order, we order twice a week online. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I thought you and were... some of them are very small orders, mm. but 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 we never do the big shop anymore. Never. So oh, we'll, you mean we'll the monthly shop where you get everything in the monthly shop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah we, we never do it anymore. So two of the orders per month are quite big orders, and then the other five or six orders are things you just forgot about or something that you want. But we still go and look for the. The specials, we still go and shop for our meat. We don't shop for boulevards because you know what you're getting. But we still go shop for our meat and our not ready-made meals, but easy-cooked meals where you just literally put it in the oven for 20 minutes and eat it. So we still go shopping for that and found a new place. What is it? Called Country Kitchen. Yeah. And it's a proper butchery. So nice. they've got very nice-looking meat. We bought some lamb chops from them, really nice. We bought a... Spatch cooked peri peri chicken, really nice, but the really good stuff is their sort of pre prepared meals that you just got to not heat up in the oven, you actually got to cook them in the oven, but they are pre prepared. And we bought a uh, baburti, which is it's almost dry like a uh, brayani, but it, it, it doesn't sound good saying dry, but it, it is totally delicious. And then cottage pie, now I'm not, a, I'm not a cottage pie or a lasagna fan at all. But my partner certainly is, and sometimes you've got to compromise a little bit. No, you have to. To me, to me, cottage pie and lasagna is mushy. You know, I like something that's got a contrast in texture. But it has got a contrast in much. texture. I mean, a cottage pie is no, made, is made I mean, with beef mints. A, a, a shepherd's yeah, pie is made with all, lamb mints. But you've it's got, mushy. There's nothing crispy. Well, you can There's crisp the top of it. it. If, you, if you grill mush. it, no, no, Wayne, listen to me. If you if you put it in the once you've cooked it, then you put it in the yeah. oven under the grill. Maybe put a bit, of, a cheese, bit of cheese cheese on top as, as well, and yeah, then grill the top. So there's the, there's, there's there's the crisp. But anyway, there's your crispy. This place is cottage pie advertises crispy, uh, crispy topping or crispy mashed potatoes. Yes, and what they've done is they've grilled and crisped onion rings or onions. Mm. And then mix that into the mash and cook it. So when you eat it, you get this crispy. It is delicious. So that's that's our currently our favorite. I still haven't worked out how to make lasagna delicious. Uh, I still haven't worked that one out. But I, I, I eat it with a smile on my face because <laughs> yeah, happy happy house and everything. So. Okay. On that note, I mean, you're talking about layered foods now. You've got your cottage pie and your shepherd's pie, which is made with lamb mince, mm. and it's very distinctive from cottage pie. Lancashire hot pot. I want you to Google that after we've finished. And I after. haven't had that for a very long time. That is very good. And that's also crispy again because you grill it on top. But that, that's that's one thing. And, and just another thing... Um, are you quite discerning when it comes to buying meat? Because I now I don't want to know the name of the cow or the sheep or the pig and have all its you know its, its life history. It was born in uh, two thousand and seventeen yeah. and was slaughtered on this date and it was very happy yeah. and all that stuff and it ate uh, acorns and and apples every day. I don't want to know that and was but, happy. But I do yeah. want to know that it hasn't been pumped full of hormones and antibiotics throughout yes. its life. Are you like that? No, I must admit. Oh, here we go. I um. I don't. I don't even look for that, to be honest. But what I have, what has changed, 
specifically with lamb, mm. is there's two places. I told you about the one that's this country, country kitchen, food, whatever it is. Country kitchen, mm-hmm. but then there's another place out at Lanseria Airport. There's a restaurant there that's got a whole like deli attached to it and a whole kitchenware pots and pans thing. It's very fancy. Mm-hmm. It's next to the truck delivery company in an industrial park just at the entrance to Lanseria Airport as you turn off Malibongwe. But they, they've obviously got a local South African person delivering the lamb. So because 90% of the lamb that you would buy in South Africa is actually from New Zealand. It's not from South Africa. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. No, no, no. New Zealand supplies major amounts. All the lamb you buy in the UK is from New Zealand. Yeah, I know very that. Very little but... local lamb. Yeah. No, no, there's very little local local production. It's all, it's all. But the stuff you buy at the Lanceria place and at the Morningside place has just got a nicer taste to it. It's just... What that about is there? Are, there are places where in where you can buy Karoo lamb, and you can go online, and you can order half a yes, Karoo yeah. lamb, and and that I mean to me, it's the ultimate free range meat product yeah. because and it's wandering around this the stuff Karoo. I'm getting is Karoo lamb. Yeah, yeah it, it, it eats herbs and grasses and everything. It's not. It's well, not. I a can remember battery a lamb. It's a it's yeah. a free range animal. Yeah. Yeah, it's prancing around in the felt there. Um, I can remember going to going to Cape Town once, and I stopped in Colesburg, and I stayed over at a bed and breakfast right in the town next to the church. Yeah. And there was a restaurant there in the old flour mill that they've got there, and I ordered Karoo lamb from there. And obviously, you are like in the Karoo there almost. Yeah. It was truly delicious. It is. It's a fantastic meat. I think it's probably my favourite, actually. It uh, is my favourite. Yeah. The other thing is, I have to give you an update on my my food habits. I know I shocked you last week by telling you that I was indulging myself in, uh, people have dry January, I'm having frugal February uh, with my food. Mm. And um, you were shocked. I could hear, your, your voice was trembling. I was. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm doing now? I I I I bought uh, from my butcher some free-range stroke organic uh, chicken wings. I, I've I've mm. bought some packs of those, and I boil them uh, in in a large pot with carrots and celery and bay leaves and herbs and onions and garlic etc. I boil them for about five six hours, and then I strain strain the liquid off. And that's what I'm eating. I'm eating. I'm eating broth. Add some broccoli and and, and stuff yeah, to, broth, to yeah. the broth. Yeah, exactly. So I'm eating broth for a month, and hopefully and the clothes. Excuse me a little bit. Yeah. The, the, hopefully the clothes that arrive. Yeah, because, I mean, I, will it's fit actually me then. Is something that hmm. it's also something that psychologically damaged me from a very young age. Oh, yeah, of course, my your mother. mother used to have this. My mother used to have this meal that she thought was just the grandest thing ever. She'd take a whole chicken. Throw it in a big roasting pan, mm. fill it up with water, throw a few carrots and a few onions in, and then put it in the warming drawer for what seemed like four days. Warming drawer? And then the warming drawer. So it would just slowly simmer. Ugh. It would just slow, and it came out this putrid white color. And my nickname for it was Landmine Chicken because you just touched it with a fork and it sort of exploded as the meat fell off because it was so awful. So whenever someone tries to sell me something fall off the bone, I'm not ever interested. I don't want meat that falls off any bone because of this deep psychological damage my dear mother did to me with her warming jaw stroke landmine chicken. God bless Mrs. McCurry. Yeah, she was actually, I miss her terribly. She was actually a very, very sweet person 
life and soul of the party, <laughs> never grumpy, lovely person, but she was not well domesticated. <laughs> okay, well, life and soul of the party, but obviously not, 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 not a caterer. But she raised a fine son. Wayne, thank you very much for your time, as always, on a Wednesday. We talked a little bit about lower markets, 27% of the time, according to my calculations. The rest was about food, which is exactly how I like it. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager and foodie from FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.